Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Welcome to the Euro K Mental Fitness Studio. I would like to thank our sponsors, Ned Siegfried, Luke Peterson, and Todd Bradford with Siegfried and Jensen, Mark Richards with Wasatch Recovery, Colby and McKenzie with Thread Wallets, Drew Peterson with First Digital, Greg Jackson with Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics, and Travis Whitaker, the owner of Living Recovery Interventions. And also, I'd like to give a shout out to Paul Cardall. The music that you hear at the beginning and the ending of these episodes is by Paul Cardall. He's an amazing person, and he's been one of my heroes for years. So thanks to all my sponsors and Paul Cardall for believing in me. I love you guys so much. Please enjoy this next episode. We are back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you again for tuning in. I love you guys. I appreciate all your support. And, you know, we're, we're making a difference in the world. And that, that's why I'm doing this. And it's not because of me. It's because of the amazing guests that I have come on that get vulnerable and they share their stories of triumph and trials and blood, sweat and tears and you name it. And it's just amazing. And today's going to be no different. Today we're joined by the owner of Desert Solace, Mark Jorgensen. Mark, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, so glad uh, that you're willing to be here. He's actually up here from St. George and we're here live at Wasatch Recovery and it's just great to have you in my office today. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Oh, thank you. Well, a um, little background on Mark. You, again, we, you, know, you founded Desert Solace with his wife, Jerry, back in 2011. Yep. Yeah, so you've been doing it for a minute. Got, a, got <laughs> it kind of figured out by now. Yeah. Um, and, and really why you did this, and this is, this is uh, awesome that you're willing to talk about this, but following your own journey of recovery from pornography addiction. Um, you were exposed to pornography at a young age. Um, you suffered in silence and shame for over 30 years. 30 years. Wow. That is a long time to be kind of just, you know, sitting in that shame by yourself. And that's a scary place to be. But I'm glad that we're here going to be talking about this. But, you know, um, you're basically you opened that up so you can help other people not have to go through what you did. Right. Hopefully, at least for that long. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's a. It's an addiction that's unlike any other. Yeah. The, the shame is just so deep and people do not want to talk about it. Yeah. And I just hope to create a place where they could. No, well, that means a lot. And, and I'm just grateful that you're here today. So why don't we start with, tell us about where you grew up, a little bit about your childhood. Okay. I grew up in Cache Valley, outside of Logan. Okay. A little town called Amalga that nobody's ever heard of. So I've never heard why, of that. <laughs> that's why I narrow it down from Cache Valley to outside Logan to... Amalga. It's, right. it's where the cheese factory is, if that helps at all. I but, know where that is. Yeah, yeah. We, okay. I grew out on a dairy farm out there, and and uh, so kind of a farm life, enjoyed that. And My family were, weren't farmers, but I worked for the neighbors and spent a lot of time. And there were, uh, where I first got exposed to pornography was, was at the farm. The, okay. the neighborhood kids had magazine stashes in the, in the mm -hmm. barn. And I don't know why that's where kids stash their stuff. That's what they, where yeah. they seem to do it, isn't it? Stash yeah. stuff in the barn. Right. But uh, so that's where my first exposure was. And, and yeah, I spent my whole childhood there and, and graduated from Skyview High School there and, and, uh, and then left. So what, what was your childhood like? Were you like active in sports? Were you in drama? What, 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 were, you, what were you into? I was kind of a do-everything kind of kid. I, okay. I love sports. I love to, to play basketball. I wasn't very good at it. I've always said God should have blessed me with more talent or less interest because I, <laughs> because right. I, you're like, I, I love this sport. I, I wasn't, I love this sport. And it's so fun to play, but I'm just kind of fat and slow and, <laughs> and, and I'm not very good at it. So, right. But I did enjoy playing with friends and, and neighborhood and stuff like that. And we're playing out in the middle of the winter, scrape off the ice off the driveway and play basketball. Right. And, uh, we like to spend time at the lake. My family had a boat. We'd go water skiing and a couple of reservoirs around around the valley and uh 
and it's very sheltered, very small town life. Yeah. There, there was 300 people in the little town there. Oh, wow. And yeah. L- Logan was like going, going to town is going to Smithfield, which was a little bit bigger town, but <laughs> Logan was like going to the big city. Yeah. And, and so, and that I, puts that's literally my, that, that's the perspective I had as a child <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and just other larger places I could even fathom. So, right. Very sheltered, very, very, uh, uh, safe. I felt great, yeah. great parents, great family. We all got along well. My parents did a good job. So I, you know, I didn't have the awful childhood that a lot of people I run into with addiction do, but, but, uh, well, I've, yeah, addiction affects everybody, right? It, it doesn't it, matter yes, if you're it does. good, yeah. good upbringing, tough upbringing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and my exposure, uh, I, didn't, I didn't put the label addiction on it for probably more than 20 years afterwards. Okay. I just knew it was just something that just was incredibly intriguing as a young yeah. adolescent boy. And as, believe it or not, adolescent boys are interested in that kind of a thing. Right. And so I had that. How, first how old expo- were you again when you first I'd, I'd say, I'm trying to remember exactly. I'd say 12, 13. Okay. Somewhere in there. So f- fairly young. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly young. And, uh, and I had been taught that that wasn't appropriate, and I shouldn't look at that. And but that's that's about it. Right. It was basically don't look at that, or you'll go to hell, or <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, or you'll <laughs> go blind or something, whatever. But but uh, uh, so I, I but but it was intriguing. I liked it. I mean, it's yeah. just, so so I got my hands on that as as fast as I as fast and as often as I could, and uh, and of course those days this was in the. Let's see, 12, this would have been in the late 70s. So yeah. the only thing that were available was magazines, and they weren't that available, really. Cause, yeah, those were even difficult to yeah, get back then. absolutely. And, yeah. I only knew of one place in the whole valley that sold them, and you had to have a find, a, dare ask an adult to buy one for you. And, yeah. And that was shameful, too. For sure. So obviously at the time you knew, you probably shouldn't be looking at this, but obviously as a young boy, you're enticed by these things like every most boys are. Yeah. Um, did you ever have thoughts of like, man, I need to tell someone this? Or was it always like, there's no way I can tell anyone about this? I was in the latter category. I okay. was, there is absolutely no way I'm going to tell anybody about this. Yeah. Anybody at all. And that included parents, uh, church leaders, mm-hmm. nobody was going to know, was going to know about this. Yeah. I was taking it to my grave. Did you, did you find yourself, you know, as you're going through this, especially when you were younger, did it? Did you have feelings of being sad and depressed or anxious, or did, were there other things that kind of came from that by stuffing it down and not sharing it? That oh, you dealt great with? question. I, I, I think where it weighed me down was just the the guilt I felt over being involved in it. Okay. Uh, like I said, I had a great family. My my dad was quite well known in Cache Valley. He had a, a series of retail stores and he was in the state legislature and and everybody knew him and and i just felt a lot of pressure i i really looked up to my dad and just lost him a couple weeks ago by the way sorry to hear that yeah but i really looked up to him and admired him and and yeah i always wanted to be make him proud of me and and be good enough and of course i had this deep secret that i was keeping from him and and i was not good enough for him because i was engaged in these shameful activities yeah so that was hard Talk about, I mean, there, there's a lot we want to talk about here, but talk about shame just for a minute because, and why that's so destructive. I Shame is, you know, I don't know if you remember uh, uh, Power Versus Force, the book by, I just spaced his name, what's his name? Um, I, I know the book, yeah, I can't you know the book, I can see the was. cover. Yes. Okay. Well, he t- <laughs> you know, he talks, he'd, he'd, he'd tested different energy levels. And he attached a number to each of them and uh, where the lower vibrational uh, energies were grief and yep. sadness and fear and and the higher ones were joy and love and and all that but the very lowest sh- on the sh- on the shame ladder or on the emotions ladder was shame was shame yeah uh, and it, it is it is the lowest vibration emotion out there and it it is uh i've heard elsewhere i think uh brene brown would talk about shame and she would define it and, and compare it and distinct distinguish it from guilt is by saying, you know, guilt is I've done something wrong yeah, and shame is I, I am wrong. Yeah. And, and that, and that's where I felt because I, I just be some fundament, fundamentally flawed with me that I'm involved with this and can't, and can't give it up. Although I know I should. And, 
and it's not serving me in my life and my relationships yeah. and it's making me isolate and, and all that. So, so the, the shame factor is huge. And that's with the guys that come to us, we see that too. That's every single one is, is buried in that shame. And that's, right. that's the number one thing we have to work on. It's not the behavior. It's just the, the, the beliefs and the shame right. that they're buried in. Yeah. And that's very well said. Thank you for sharing that shame. You know, I've also same thing. I'm wrong or I'm bad. Like I'm a bad person. I didn't just do something bad. I'm actually a bad person. And, right. and that shame, you're, and I could see, you know, and why they say that's the lowest of low when it comes to the frequency energy. David thing. Hawkins. Yes, the there we go. <laughs> <laughs> just blurt yeah, that out as just, it comes to me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so as you're going through this, you know, you, you know, you're getting older, you go to junior high and high school. I mean, how did that affect anything else? I mean, because again, when we're, when we're struggling, it obviously spills over into other areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. So talk about that, if you would, and just kind of how that was affecting other areas of your life. Yeah, sure. It was very impactful because, you know, I grew up, I was, I was kind of unique. I was, I was put ahead of grade in school because I don't, probably because my first grade teacher couldn't stand me, but maybe, maybe they thought <laughs> I was get rid of this kind guy. of a smart yeah. kid. Yeah, I don't know. But they, they moved me ahead of grade, and so I was always young for my age, and I, I was very aware of that. Uh -huh. And to make matters worse, I was a very late bloomer physically. Okay. I, my, my voice changed as a junior in high school. Right. So, okay. Yeah. And, and so, so late puberty and all that. And uh -huh. I was just, so, you know, girls my age were much more mature and much more adult. And I just, I, I was terrified of them. Yeah. I just really wasn't. I, I mean, I just really wasn't interested in, in engaging just because I was scared to death. But of course, I was obviously I'm attracted to them and want to be right. with them. Right. Sure. And, yeah. And I was kind of the class clown, everybody's buddy. And I, you know, I, I had friends with everybody as far as, dating or having a romantic relationship that was just I, I just think thought no one would ever be interested in in doing that and uh I, I remember when I was 16 years old in in our culture and my culture I was living uh it's time to date yeah and and okay well I gotta go on a date and I <laughs> want to but I don't want to and I should right. and yeah and uh, but I had this girl I kind of liked and and uh, I I screwed up the courage to ask her to go to a Ario Speedwagon concert. With oh me. wow! Yeah, yeah the Salt Ario Palace. Speedwagon. Yeah, rock on. Yeah. And and so I figured if I got something really cool that she'd really like to do, that then she'd want to go. Yeah. And so I called her up, and that was not a, a that was not a quick process, by the way. But yeah. I finally, finally was able to call her to up. Do it. Finally yeah. called her up and says, "Hey, would you like to go to the Ario Speedwagon concert with me?" And she says, "Oh, you know what? I'm already going." And, mm. and I didn't hear that she was already going. I heard that I suck and yeah. I don't want to date you and I'll, I'll, you know, yeah. and no one else will ever want to date me. That's, that's what my adolescent brain was hearing. Yes. In the, in the meantime, yeah. I'm, I've got picked up this, these fake relationships with pornography and the, and those mm. women are always smiling at me Yeah. and, and they're, and they're always smiling at me and, and never reject me and, yeah. and, uh, and so that was a much safer place to, to put my energy and, and my relationship focus. And, and that's what I did. And yeah. I mean, I, I did a little dating and I, again, I, I was, I was social, I had friends with everybody, but I was the, I was the, everybody's little brother. Right. And, and it just, it was, it was, and, and a lot of that came from me just feeling like, well, why would anyone want to date me? Uh, when I have this, again, the shameful secret that, yeah. that if they knew, if they knew they this about knew. me, if they only yeah. knew, then, then they would just think I'm disgusting and, and wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Yeah. Wow. You know, I know, I know, uh, you're a religious man, of, you know, man of faith and mm -hmm. how, how was that trying to navigate that? Because, you know, I hear this a lot with a lot of my clients that I deal with who struggle with pornography, who maybe had a religious upbringing. They, I mean, that's part of the shame. It's like, I'm letting God down or mm -hmm. I'm letting my higher power down and, you know, how, how was that going for you on, cause that's just like an added thing. I think that's, sometimes. that's a huge factor. And, yeah. and I, I, a lot of people I know leave their faith because of that. They feel like that perfectionism is just too great. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I, I've come to realize that that's, that was really mis misplaced energy on my part. I, I, of course, you know, I, I was trying to live up to my, to the expectations of my father. And, and yeah. I've heard it said that, the people perceive God as they perceive their earthly father. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, so I read that somewhere. I can't remember where, but maybe I just made it up, but, but that's what I did. I just, I, I viewed God as, 
as someone who, yeah, loved me, but that was conditional if yeah. I did everything right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, specifically in, in, in LDS culture where it's, where it's, uh, you know, you, you keep the commandments quote unquote, and that's how, you know, and, and, and we love God by keeping his commandments. And so therefore, mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, don't keep the commandments then you obviously don't love him. And there's, and there's some scriptures I hadn't misinterpreted that really, uh, really, uh, affected me in that area. And, but that, that was, that, that was the, what I've come to know is a misperception by me. It, it wasn't who yeah. God was. And, and, and I've come to realize that God's love for me is not subject to what, what I do and what I don't do. Uh, but, but it was a hard place to get there. I, yeah. I had a, I, I'm kind of sound like I'm stammering a little bit cause I, I it's a, touchy subject and I, sure. I don't want to throw my church under the bus but on the same time I you know I, I spent I went to a give you an example I you know I did I did the mission thing and came yeah. home and 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 uh, again remember I wasn't gonna tell anybody about this yeah so for those of you know, know what I'm talking about I I uh, just stopped for a few months and I'm good yeah okay right. all yeah. right I'm good <laughs> I'm gonna go I don't need to tell anybody this and yeah. so and so and did pretty good on with you know, the mission is structured and supervised. And, and so, so I, that did, helps. I did pretty yeah, good. And so sure. I, I was able to stay away and I didn't have access obviously. And, and so did pretty well there, but, but I came home and, uh, and my, uh, parents had installed one of those big satellite dishes that if you remember those, oh, back yeah. in, in they're the like 80s, a big, wa- the big, big tractor big wheel thing. Yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're, <laughs> it's like down 12 feet yeah, wide or huge. something. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can get anything. Yeah. You, and, and, and I mean anything. And I got home, and I literally the first day home, I just got down channel surfing and just yeah. drifted into that area, and I'm, I'm off the wagon just like that. And boy, you talk about the shame spiral after boy, that. Yeah, I bet. And and I just okay, see, I knew it, and I'm stuck again. And and uh, I went to I went to BYU, uh, and that was an interesting experience. I I remember a religion class I went to, and. Uh, Again, is this appropriate to share, by the way? Is Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. No, this is your, your story. And, 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 no, and that's and, what and makes this. How relevant this so is. So good. To, no, it's okay. Good. But but I uh, I went to this religion class, and and the teacher was a man named Joseph Fielding McConkie. And mm. those in the LDS culture <laughs> knows those are some powerful big names. And so all this, three of those. All three right? of those. <laughs> and I... And I thought, you know, every word that comes out of this guy's mouth is from God. And he stood up in a class one day and says, how many of you think God's love is unconditional? And you know, most, of the, most of the hands yeah. in the class can go up. And he says, well, that, my young friends, is a sectarian doctrine. And mm. went on to say that why, you know, why, well, if God's, and he'd say stuff like, well, how, how is God's love manifest to us? Yeah. By, by the way, by him blessing us. Well, what how do we get his blessings well we keep the commandments we follow again. what he says to we do, do what he, yeah. if we do what he says we get his yeah. blessings and, and 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 quoted a scripture that said that said you know if you keep not if you keep not my commandments the love of the father shall shall no longer be with you will travel in darkness something like that and and I, i've come to learn what that scripture means is that if i'm not living my life in alignment with with my divine self and with with mm-hmm. who God is, then I'm the one that's drifting away. I'm the one that's I'm the one that's separating myself. Right. And and God's always there, but 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 He interpreted it and presented to this class full of impressionable young, young, you know, right, yeah, twenty one year old kids that that uh, that you know, if you don't keep the commandments, God doesn't love you. And I, of course, fallen back into this bad habit, and I just that that's it. I almost got hopeless at that point. Wow, and and uh, and that's that's just the kind of belief I held for the next two decades, yeah. two plus decades. Yeah, and again, suffering in silence. You're not uh-huh. sharing it with anybody. Right. Um, so you 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 end up. Gra- did you graduate from BYU? I did graduate from BYU, and while I was there, I got married. Okay, and that's kind of a uh, you know my she was a, a wonderful girl, and and uh, what happened was is I. Got in a bad car accident and had to drop out oh, man. Uh, one semester, and and so I went was taken to the hospital and then, and then went home to recuperate. And then a couple of weeks later, I went down to 
clean out my apartment and getting all my stuff. And I ran into the, uh, a girl that was in the in the neighborhood in the apartments next door that was in the ward, and uh, and got talking to her. And I had known her and got to know her. And yeah. and she was engaged to someone else, so she was it was safe to be friends with her because she's right. she's already taken. Yeah. So yeah, she's, she's not limits. scary. Yeah, <laughs> she's not scary. So I can yeah. just be friends with her. And and uh, she we got to know each other and I just talked about how bored I was out there just sitting around convalescing right. and just hate it. She said, well, we'll come up and see you. And she and her friend drove up to Logan from Provo the next weekend. And she told me later, she says, I had no idea it was that far. I just, you know, I, I thought it was like a half hour drive. <laughs> like where are we going? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so she said, I, I wouldn't have come if I would have known it was that far. But she came and, and, uh, and, and we got to know each other. We, and meantime, her, her engagement broke up and, and we, kind of dated back and forth but we got engaged really quickly and got married really quickly mm-hmm. and i i don't and it's my mentality at the time and i i don't mean to disparage her at all right but my mentality was well if she's willing to marry me i better marry her because who else will be so and so uh, gotcha. so i better marry you know if, yeah because i i've i've pulled the wool over her eyes so she better i better hurry and marry her before she finds out who i really am and and uh, so that, you know, that's kind of the energy I went into my marriage with. And right. as you can imagine, it wasn't uh, I was not giving my my all to it. And and I, I never told her about this. This was a, still a secret again. I, yeah. I'm not going to tell her. And and I can't say that my pornography problem broke up our marriage, but it did because she never knew about it. I, I actually did try to raise the topic one time and just kind of danced around it. And she says, well, I think I know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah. wow, look at the time, what's for dinner? I, I don't wanna yeah, talk about this either. I wanna go there. Yeah, I don't wanna yeah. go there. Yeah. And, and so, so just that disconnection we had, and, and, and she, had, she had her own stuff as every person does. Yeah. And so it was easy for me right. to nitpick her and find her faults and say, well, everything's, everything's her fault. Yeah. And so, so that marriage broke up and, and, uh, and I, it's something that I, I feel bad about and regret and, and, uh, I, things have worked out for me and, and her, I, uh, but, but it's something that, that I, yeah, I know. And it's also another failure in life, right? It's another, it's another, it just added to validation that, that, that I'm, not, I'm not good, that I, that I'm not good enough. Cause I, yeah. you know, I can, and, and divorce in my perfect family is you don't do that, yeah. you know? You don't. And, so and, now you're, you know, my dad was, imagine the weight of that. Uh, I, you know, many, many years later, my dad actually admitted that he really, he felt shame over that, he, that, that his, one of his sons got divorced. Yeah. Cause it reflected on him. It reflected him. on him. I must be a bad parent. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, that, so that's how that d- disintegrated. Man. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know that's, um, you know, probably tough to talk about, but, uh, so when, when, what happened where you finally came out and said, okay, here's what I've been struggling with. You finally, I guess, owned your story, so to speak. Talk about that and then <laughs> okay. if that's all right. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to. It's it's kind of a funny story because, well, I got I got married again. This was, I got married to Jerry, who's my wife now. And she was amazing and awesome. And yeah. we grew up in Cache Valley, both grew up in Cache Valley. And she knew a lot, we knew a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. And, and she knew who my parents were and my parents knew who she was. And she worked for me. She and and she, uh, but she was, she was uh, and is. She's ten years older than me. Okay. Okay. So again, that's safe. That's just right. This, yeah. This is just a fun person I can be friends <laughs> with, and and so she is great. a lot of fun, and we we enjoyed hanging out together, and those feelings kind of developed, and we just you know we're together all the time. We just well get married. <laughs> right. It wasn't like that, but no, we. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Yeah. But but again, I, I didn't tell her about it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so we we got married and and we got along great. I mean, she's just she's just a bundle of energy and mm-hmm. just very very positive and upbeat and easy to easy to you know to get along with and yeah. And That's so great. we did we did fairly well, but there was still this disconnection because I was in this secret habit and and I kind of tried to bring it up with her the same way I did my first wife, and and she kind of got what I was talking about and, and she says, okay, we'll just stop it. Oh, and I says, Oh, oh why didn't I think of that? Yeah, boy, what a <laughs> radical concept. Why didn't I come up with that idea? 
geez, this is my solution all the time right in front of me. I, I couldn't see it. And so, but I said, okay, I'll just stop it. And then of course I didn't and couldn't right. and, and shame, shame deepens and, and uh, got into uh, a lot of trouble business-wise. I, I had a store mm. in St. George. Okay. We sold uh, uh, musical instruments, pianos and organs. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, it was called Keith Jorgensen's. My dad is Keith Jorgensen, and okay. that was the, the chain. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you do, or Yeah, not. it does definitely it's, remember it, the people name. People are yeah. it's been getting long enough, called it, not as many remember people as remember used that, to. Yeah. But, uh, but I had the store in St. George, and it was, it was floundering. And and then again, it was just me. Uh, we actually did okay. We did we did fairly well for yeah. many years. We, we I can't complain. I I had a great life, and but having that shame and have feeling like I had to prove myself, I lived a lot larger than. I had any business living. I, I drove cars. I had no business driving. I lived in a house. I had no business yeah. buying, and and uh, just scrambling, fiercely scrambling every month to make these payments and and uh, yeah. all that pressure. But but I had to put up that facade to look at me. I'm I'm fine. I'm I, doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah. So so if I've, I've got all of this stuff, then I then I must be successful. And as a, that was a weightful, heavy place to live too. That was that was a painful place to live, especially when. In about 2008, uh, I we took on the uh, Las Vegas market became available. Okay, we got, we were able to get the dealership for the brand we were selling, and and uh, you know that's a market 20 times the size of St. George. Yeah, and and I wanted to jump on that for sure. And uh, but the problem was I was t- very undercapitalized and very understaffed. I did not have the money or people people to do that so uh i what ended up happening is jerry and i just would drive back and forth between vegas and st george all the time and and about then the economy blew up the big housing crisis when the housing bubble burst and all that so the economy tanked and we're understaffed and and as a result both stores just kind of floundered and about that time a guy came into my life that had uh, all the answers i was going to solve all my problems for me and he came in. He, he uh, it, it's. It, I don't probably don't have the time to share it with you. But basically, he just had unlimited resources and unlimited expertise available at his fingertips to help us not only rebuild these two stores, but expand and get bigger and go to California and all that. We were going to be oh, an okay. empire. Yeah. Well, the problem was is everything he told me was a lie. Oh. He, he, you know, he he had all these wealthy partners that were going to help us and that he worked with, and and he didn't. They did not exist. He. I mean, he had backstories. He was good. Had backstories for all of them. Oh boy! And he'd talk about them all the time. And this, you know, and he had names for them, but but they were all in his mind. It's all just made up. And Dang. and but, so so, he he wrote about a, you know, he he ended up, uh, taking over the running of the business for me because, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust myself to make good decisions, so I'll, I'm going to trust this guy, even though I barely know him. Right. And because he's acts, he's saying the right things and is confident, and so, so. Uh, but the reason I tell that story is because out of it uh, came a real blessing. Was a another guy in in town got sucked into this whole scam, yeah. And his name was Jared, and he was a he was a really good guy, and we became friends, and we got to know each other, and. And uh, he uh, he was actually serving as an LDS bishop at the time, and he had this parade of guys coming into his office all the time, like all bishops do. And right, yeah. And he he just recognized the signs, and he pulled me aside and just looked at him, looked at me. And says he says you got a pornography addiction, and I says no, I don't. And, and he says yeah, you do. I've seen it too many times. And no, I says well, I I know I don't. I've I've seen it. Everybody's seen it, but I don't right. have a problem with it. Yeah. He says well. And so I, I walked away from that, obviously, deep in thought. Sure, yeah. And I called a friend of mine who had com- confided in me that he was struggling a couple, couple years earlier. Sure, okay. He'd come to me and say, yeah, I'm struggling with this. And, and what should have been a perfect op- opportunity for me to come clean and say, yeah, me too. I, I, instead, I take the chicken way and just, you know, I say, yeah. wow, sucks to be you, doesn't it? Oh, man. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and it, 
literally say that, but that was my that was my attitude right, about it. Yeah. And, and uh, so I called him up and I says, "Hey, Jared says I'm a I have a pornography addiction." He said, "Well, do you?" And I said, "Well, I've seen it. Everybody's seen <laughs> said the same same things. Yeah, same thing." And yeah. and uh, he talked to me and 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 said, "Well, you know what? I uh, when I was struggling, I really wanted to go to this outpatient program for couples." And, and, uh, but my wife wouldn't go with me, but I think you and Jerry ought to go do that. And he says, well, I'm not going to do that. First of all, I don't have a problem. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Second of all, the guy that runs it is my neighbor and I know very well. I, right. There's no way I'm going to come clean to him. And, uh, he badgered me and he got me to finally say, I finally agreed to, he says, I'm not hanging up with you until you commit to call him. And I said, I'm not going to call him, but he, I finally admitted, agreed to let Jerry call him. Okay. If Jerry will call him, then I'll do yeah. it. And I don't know why I thought she wouldn't. That was because she took her about two seconds to hang up on me and call the guy. <laughs> right. And, and she did. And and uh, and he called and he said, he says, well, you know what? We start this program about four, about three times a year, and uh, our next one is starting in about forty five minutes. We're full, but we'll pull in a table for you. So wow. get, get down there. You're like, okay, okay here we there's go. A, there's a god shot right there. You <laughs> right. know. And, and I, uh, so, wow. And so that's where I, I went into that building, just wishing I could just crawl in a hole or cover my face or something. But, but Man. I, but that, that kind of got me on the journey and, and, okay. and what that really did, what that program really did for us is it gave me an understanding and more importantly, Jerry it gave Jerry an understanding about what addiction was about. That this yeah. wasn't just stop it. This wasn't something you just stop. Right. It was, my brain was compromised and I had and I, you know, had work to do. And so, uh, she came to understand that. So it really helped us a lot. And I come out of those once a week, I'd come out of them just, uh, really fired up and I, okay, I got it now and I know what to do and I'm, I'm over this. And of course the walls had closed in and the business yeah. was failing and pressure. And, and I had trained my brain to just escape to the only place I knew yeah, to do for sure. And, and so, uh, I was just still struggling from this for about another year and a half. I, I kept struggling and uh, got to a pretty dark place. I just just discouragement over. I'm narrowing it over this. I'm, I'm this is just. I'm in a very dark place and and kind uh, of kind of made some some mentions to my wife that scared her and and so she. Oh. Well, actually, I uh, she didn't approach. Back up. My brother who was in the recovery business who owned a, a treatment center for substance abuse uh came to my wife and said what's wrong with mark mm -hmm. actually he said what's he on what's oh, he taking right he's on it was a substance yeah abuse what, what's problem. he what's he on and he goes nothing like he's not on anything he says yes he is i i know that look and he's he's on something and she told him says well he's got something going on uh but we're working on it and he said, well, whatever it is, it's not, whatever it is you're doing to work on it, it's not working because he's, he's in bad shape. Yeah. And so he got, he got busy and I was just furious by the way, <laughs> at yeah, Jerry right. for telling, yeah. for telling, because now, Mike, cause now my, an older brother knowing that's just yeah. the worst. And, but, but he got busy and found a place that treated sex addiction and pornography addiction. And uh, next thing I know, I'm on a plane to Mississippi to, for 45 days really? to, really? for, for inpatient treatment. Wow. And, uh, and that probably, that was very valuable. It probably saved my life. They're very good. They're very professional. They know what they're doing. Uh, uh, but there, there were, and, and uh, while I was there, I, I really felt, of course my, my business had collapsed. So I didn't know what I was going to yeah. do for make do a living. Yeah. And I just felt, felt really drawn to the recovery field. And, and I says, you know, I, I want to help others take this journey and called Jerry. And I said, Hey, I think, I think I know what I'm supposed to do for, for a living. And says, let's, we're supposed to start a recovery center in St. George. And we had no business doing that. We just, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know anything about that. Yeah, you were selling pianos. I, yeah. I was now. selling pianos. So I, so I, I didn't know anything about that. And, <laughs> And she, she was all in and I said, well, great, I'll see. Let's, let's find a location. So what you do in pianos, you find a location. 
when we and found a location that was really that's a cool story too because yeah because we were biking we were out biking and i said that place would be perfect for a for a recovery center that that house right there and it was just a house as far yeah. as you know as far as i know it was occupied and lived in and 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 uh i didn't know where to find a, a location or property so i started calling other recovery places because and just asking if they had any property that they wanted to that might lease to me or something yeah right and and the first place i called says yeah we've got this place that we we build as a as a expansion before the economy collapsed then it's just been sitting empty for a couple of years and we i bet we'd work something and he told me where it was and it was that exact same house no that way. i pointed out that exact wow. same house that's and, amazing and so i got the location and so i go down to the city and get a business license and i'm in business yeah no, <laughs> maybe in the a piano. More to it. Maybe in the piano business you do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. A lot than of that. more moving parts with this. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I, yeah, I spent the next year doing everything I need to do to get licensed with the state and do everything, and got a great education doing this. And yeah. oh, another another cool part about the story was is is uh, Jerry and I uh, did in the middle of all this. Uh, building the building Desert Solace and and when I was in pretty good recovery, uh, we agreed to share our story on KSL between uh, oh, conference sessions. Those little vignettes oh, oh, they yeah. do, uh-huh. and 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 that's remarkable because I went from I'm never telling anyone that's what I was to, gonna I'm say. Gonna tell the story on talk about the extremes. I'm gonna talk tell it on <laughs> TV and and tell it on a podcast. But but we did that that broadcast and got a lot of people were very kind and sure very very appreciative of me being willing to, willing to share that but uh why did i share that story oh i know why because they also as part of that project they they did a a group of women they talked about a group of women how this wives that how this how does this impact you and uh and one of the wives that was at that meeting uh jerry oh okay well, I got to go back and insert something. Sorry. My, th- I asked my therapist, told him what I want to do. He says, that sounds like a great idea. And he said, I says, well, I, I blown all my money. Do you, I don't know how that's going to happen. She says, well, I know someone that, that might be, uh, uh, pretty, might be willing to mm-hmm. assist in that. And, and, and I says, okay. And so that's just the conversation he and I had. But independently, Jerry was talking to this lady at at uh, at uh, this this KSL thing, yeah. And and uh, they were just chatting, and they introduced them each other themselves to each other. And he, she said, "I'm so and so," and it was that lady that my therapist had told me about. And Jerry just looked wow. at her and says, "You're supposed to you're <laughs> supposed to fund our treatment center." And the lady just was kind of taken aback. And right? Yeah. <laughs> and then she said, "Okay, when are we going to lunch?" Wow. <laughs> and so, That's and amazing. so she came out and she agreed to put up some funds to get it get it started and and keep it afloat while we were getting licensed yeah. and getting open. And, oh my gosh! And uh, and that's that's how Desert Hall started. Wow! And it was 2011, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, or we roughly? we 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 didn't take. We started in 2011. Took about. Seven to nine, seven, eight, nine months to yeah. get the all the paperwork done and to get the word out. Yep. And we, and then to, so when we finally had a group we could start with, then we started in in January of 2012. Wow. So we've been open just over. We've been having having uh, guys come for just over ten years. Wow, that is amazing. You know what I love about your story is that, and I hear this a lot with people. You know, just. You're going through all this trial and struggle for 30 years, and, and you know, among everything else in life that comes at you, and you're dealing with this. But the moment it got to where you ended up, you're starting to share and you're being more open about what's going on. Not only does it start to heal you and, and to open up another world, but now look what you're doing you're giving back and actually giving people yeah. the opportunity. To hopefully not go that many years, or if at all, than what you've been through, and now you're helping people with this. It's I, I just think that's amazing. Well, thanks. I I hope we are, <laughs> and I know we are. And sure. It's, 
I always I'm kind of always kind of envious of those young kids that come to us and yeah are finding recovery at an early age and I, getting just, it early. Man, I wish I would have yeah. done that but I did it when I did it that's I can't change yeah. that and that's fine yeah and it's and it's worked out perfectly and and uh we we've grown through this Jerry and I are as close as we've ever been much more close than we were when we first got married and yeah we're doing really well and that's awesome. we just love what we do it's just sure. really cool to see the light come on on these guys that come in just so hopeless and yeah. desperate it's really cool so to see is that. your is this an inpatient program inpatient, yeah okay we do have an outpatient program okay it's it's not it's it's mostly uh aftercare for our clients Okay. Our main focus is the inpatient, but we do ha- offer an outpatient gotcha. for, but we're, but that's kind of getting known now too. So we're growing, we're growing there too. So oh, that's just, awesome. Just taking on, you know, people in the community. Yeah. I mean, to think where you are now, you probably never saw that coming. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, no I mean idea. that moment that you were saying that you felt like this, your business was just closing in on you and it's not going to go anywhere mm-hmm. to where you are now. I mean, it's amazing how just, a little shift in some things and how th- it changes everything. Yeah, it was, and 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 I have, I have no doubt that this was divinely guided. Just yeah. you know, two like stories I shared with you. God shots. All the all the right people <laughs> showed up. For, for example, we I knew I wanted to have equine therapy as part of what we did, and uh, Jerry was at this thing, uh, some kind of a meeting, a Tupperware meeting or something like that. I don't know what it was, with with. <laughs> with a bunch of ladies and she got talking to this lady and, and, but I, you know, we want to do equine therapy, but I don't have any horses and I don't know anything about it. I just know I want to do it (laughs) because I've done it and I thought it was really cool. And so Jerry's talking to this gal and she says, you know, and when we had the place for him, we we were on five acres and corrals were already built. And, and this lady was talking to Jerry and says, yeah, I, uh, I have got all these horses that I'm losing my place or the, the, for some reason she was not yeah. able to keep them there anymore. And I need a place to put all these horses. And, and she's, and Jerry said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I, I'm an equine therapist. And so <laughs> we met, that's how we met her. And we had her and the horses just like that. Yeah. And the, and, uh, you know, the, the therapists we're supposed to have fell right into our laps. And wow. you know, there's a story there too. I won't bore you with, but, but that's she, amazing. You know, they, she, Oh, Actually, that is kind of a cool story because because yeah, sure. I I I my therapist recommends someone that might could do this, and I went and met her. Her name uh-huh. is Lynn Clark Brunson, and she's just an institution in St. George. And uh-huh. She unfortunately passed away last fall from COVID. Uh-huh. So, but she oh, was wow. yeah she worked Sorry for us into that. her eighties. But she uh, she uh, says, well, we're, we're going to need another therapist to do this, and the the only the only person I Sorry, back. I do that a lot. I'm sorry. You're good. My, my wife says I'm a terrible storyteller. Because <laughs> I, I think you're doing. Great. I remember stuff and I yeah. go back. So okay, that's all right. But I I I also knew I needed a uh, uh, what they call a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist, mm-hmm. to come in and and run the program. Well, there's only one in St. George, and I inquired about him a little bit. I found out well he wasn't practicing anymore. He okay. left. He wasn't practicing anymore, and he he'd gone uh, the the housing market was booming in St. George and he, his brothers talked him into helping him with their cabinet business. So, uh, so, okay, I'll find somebody else and ask my therapist. And she said, well, go talk to this lady, go talk to Lynn. And so I went and talked to Lynn and she said, and I, I just, and she even said, I said, no, why would I want to do that? And she said, it just weighed on her all night. And she called me the next day and says, I'll do it. I'm just, I'm supposed to do this. She says, but we need another therapist, and the only one I'll work with is this guy. And it was that same guy. Mm. And and I says, well, I but he's not practicing anymore. And I said, well, yeah, he is. He's the housing market busted, and he went back to practicing, and and he's went back to therapy, and and uh, and so he came on board. So that's how we found wow. our two first therapists. And yeah, that's awesome. And. Other employees, kind of the same way. Just, just really neat stories. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's it's really inspiring to see what you're doing now. Do you have plans of expanding, or do you, do you just kind of like you've got your place and that's kind of what you're going to do, or do you feel like you want to? We're not grow opposed it? to expanding. Okay. We want. Uh, I originally wanted to call it just Solace, mm-hmm. and say, so well, let's add desert in front of that, and then I'll have a different Solace if we go to a. Oh, a, gotcha. We do one in the mountains so you or something. Kind of leave the door Mountain open a little bit. or something. Yeah, yeah but, but 
but uh, and uh, if I do expand, I want to do it right. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing about this. I kind of had this attitude of, you know, if you build it, they'll come. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot more work than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had no idea what I was getting yeah, into. I, you know, it's funny. So many people come, you know, here and say, I'm gonna, I want to open a treatment center. Yeah. And they're all gung ho, which is great, right? But I, just like you said, once they get into it and go, oh, I've got to do all of that. Got to do all of that. And I've got to do, I got to get this approval to, in order to get that approval uh-huh. in order to, and it's yeah. like you said, I mean, it almost took you a full year just to get it going yeah. after you had made the commitment. So I think a lot of people don't understand. So it does say well, a lot about yeah, you stuck it out. It's, and it's it, yeah. it's not a, addiction insurance this will pay for. So that, it has to be a cash pay insurance. That's That was tricky. And oh, yeah, there are a lot of people that are struggling with it. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential clients out there. Yeah. But for people that have the time to get away for 90 days, and we, we have it be a 90-day program just because okay. my own experience was was 45 just wasn't enough. Yeah. And and, uh, and people ask me all the time, well, can you do it shorter? And I, when we, actually, when we first opened, we did offer a 45-day program, gave, gave them the option. Right. But we just found that people that uh, only did the 45 days just weren't ready. They thought they were. They, oh, I've got yeah. it. I get. I get what you're saying. I get yeah. what you're teaching me. But they just had not practiced enough. Yeah. And did, didn't do as well as guys that stayed the full ninety. For sure. And so, and so, to get people to commit to a full ninety days and that much money was, was it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And and it wasn't a matter of you build it, they'll come. You got to. It's just like pianos. You got to sell them one at a time. You got to sell them one at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. If. If there's someone, I I always like to ask this question with people coming on here. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who's struggling with pornography and or or anything for that matter, what what's some good advice that you could give them? I mean, you've already given some good stuff, but what would you tell that one person right now? Say something. Just just step through that shame and be willing to reach out to somebody. Yeah. Find a safe place if whoever that might be, and 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 look for help wherever it might be. And the, you know, the initial step is, well, we all know the first step is admitting you have a problem. And, and that, that was a tough one for me. I kind of had to be, have yeah. my nose shoved in it to recognize <laughs> it, but, yeah, uh, but just be willing to reach out for help. Say, this is, this is something I can handle on my own. And, and I need, I need some help doing it. Yeah. And that initial, that initial stepping through that, that huge hurdle of, of shame is very freeing. Yeah. And, and it's, and that's, that's where you got to start. Oh, I love that. And then from there, it's just depends on what, uh, you know, there's a lot of good programs around. I know there's, we're kind of unique and not everyone goes to inpatient treatment, but, uh, in fact, I went to inpatient treatment against the advice of my therapist. Mm. He says, you don't need that. Your addiction is not that bad. And, and but he also said this is on a scale of one to ten, your addiction's about a two, but your shame's about a twelve. And so yeah. and so I said I I just need to get away and just work on me and for just, sure. And so that's what I did. And oh, I love that. And so uh, uh, obviously we hope Desert Solace would be an option for people. If, if often that people come to us after they've tried other things and failed and yeah. But I, I, you know, if you have the time and means to 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 do that, it's, it's well it's, worth it. It's well worth it, and, yeah. it, and it's not about stopping the behavior. That's what right. people don't. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't talk about sex, and we don't talk about pornography. We talk about what's what's getting in the way of you getting what you want out of life. Exactly. And that's and, love that. In that sense, it's just like yeah. any other addiction. Yep. Get to the root cause, the belief that causes the behavior, exactly. and that kind of stuff. I love that. If someone wants to reach out to you and learn more about your place, ask you a question, you know, that kind of thing, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I will, if people want to get a hold of me, I'll give you my personal cell number. You can call me directly. I love it. It's 435-817-1351. We do have a website, uh, desertsolace.com. There's a number on there to call that's different, but I'll give you my direct number if you want to have that that's awesome uh and uh and if even if you just want to reach out and ask questions and wonder what we're about and yeah and what the program's about i'd be happy to do that answer questions and share love that 
personal phone number right there. We'll put it in the show notes okay. so everyone can get to it. Okay. For sure. Well, um, I can't thank you enough, Mark, for taking some time to share your story with us and being vulnerable today. It's amazing how how vulnerability crushes shame. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of what I one of the messages I took from your story. And I know it took some prodding and some yeah. people pushing and this and that, but I, I just think it's wonderful of what you're doing now and that you've decided you want to give back and help someone else. And that's why you've got this place. So I, anyone listening to this right now, I recommend give Mark a call. If you have a loved one who's struggling with it and you, you've tried other things, you're just not sure what to do. And, and even if it's maybe not the right fit, he will guide you in mm-hmm. ways that you need to be guided. And, but just reach out to him and ask him the questions you need to. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I kind of forgot to mention and is that, we treat pornography and sex addiction because this, this is an ad- addiction that will escalate. Yeah. People will start acting out with others or it will, mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, we've get a lot of calls from people that maybe get that knock on the door from the police cause they're in the wrong, in the wrong part of the internet and, yeah. Yeah. and get caught and that's their wake up call. And yeah, and that, totally. and that's where this addiction can escalate to, to, you know, serial affairs, serial affairs or, or you know, one night stands, or acting out with others, and just yeah. just, uh, and sometimes it takes people gets get getting fired, or getting police at their door, or getting served divorce papers, or yeah, it has to be the wake up call. And I just advise people don't don't let it come to that. If it, if you know, yeah, let's it, try to avoid that if you can. You know, well, because well they say an addiction, you got to hit rock bottom, right? But I firmly believe you can pick where your rock bottom is. I, I agree. You don't yeah. have to lose everything yeah. to, in order. Yeah. And and really, just like you knew you needed help, you just didn't want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I love what you said. Say something. Yeah. If you're struggling, say something. Just get a little bit vulnerable. What is that? 20, se- 20 seconds of insane courage yeah. <laughs> and tell someone about it. Yeah. You know? And, and if anything, anyone listening to this that's struggling with that, or you know someone, have him call Mark because obviously he's been through it. He's not going to judge you. As a matter of fact, he's going to champion you Absolutely. by by being willing to call and talk. Yeah, and, and it's it it is interesting these when people do call me and I can feel that shame through the phone line. I just yeah. I know where you are. I, I know, know where it, you are, yeah. brother, and I get it. Don't you don't yeah. Just I, I'm not judging you here. I for sure. I, I I know where you are and I've been there and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Mark, thank you for taking some time today. I'm grateful to have you live here in the studio. And uh, um, it means a lot that you would be willing to do this. And I, I'm just grateful that our listeners get another another aspect of addiction that they don't maybe hear a lot about. But uh, it's very, you know, obviously it's an issue out there that people are struggling with. So mm-hmm. thank you for being here today. It's really good to, to sit here with you and meet with you. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate yeah. the invitation. You betcha. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, I told you it was going to be another great episode, and it definitely was. Mark Jorgensen, the owner of Desert Solace, please reach out to him. I will have all his contact information in the show notes. And also, I, I, I say this every time, but it's but it's true. If you have someone who's struggling, uh, and specifically with this episode with pornography, share this episode, send them the link, and this might be a good way to break the ice. And it might be a good way for them to go, you know what, I finally need to say something. So this would be a good tool to just share the episode of Mark. Uh, send, a, send a link saying, hey, let me know what you think of this, and you can follow up with them. So please share it. Again, Mark, you're amazing. Keep up the good work. And uh, anything we can do for you, just let us know. Appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Till next time, everyone. <laughs>